The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the word this morning, and as we get into the word, uh, I want that to. <clears throat> I want to make something very clear. Uh, there was uh, inspiration for today's message, and obviously, when you're dealing with uh, the scripture, there are topics that you come across throughout the word, and they have different applications. And every time you examine those topics, they have a, a, a different uh, point of impact because our lives are constantly fluid. I mean. We have different experiences and, and uh, circumstances and situations and relationships and things that we walk through. And as we walk through those things, the word applies in, in wonderful and in new and different exciting ways. Uh, there was an, uh, an event that took place yesterday. I was traveling back from being out of town, and being out of town was a great relief. I know uh, many of you know the schedule that's been kept over the past years. Uh, it was really great to get away. Uh, I know my, my sons are 14 years old, so we got to go and just hang out and spend some time together. It was really a, a fantastic time. I missed you last week, however, uh, but yesterday was coming home. Now, when you come home from something like a, a, a getaway or a vacation or a trip, there's always kind of some mixed feelings, right? Like, you're grateful for the time that you had away and you're excited for the rest that you uh, received and the, the great experiences that you may have had, but then there's also this part of you that wants to get back into routine, wants to get home, and then there's a part of you that is torn because you want to stay and you want more of what you enjoyed, and so you're in this tension, and in the middle of this tension, I'm driving, and the weather is nasty, it's snow, and it's ice, and, and it's just not a real good situation. Other people that are driving and around me don't know what they're doing, and of course, I'm the best driver on the road, and so I need to tell them all how they're doing it wrong, and it's just kind of a mess. And so I decided, you know, before I actually uh, just kind of lose my mind here, I'm going to kind of scroll through the radio stations and see what we can find, right? Well, Thanksgiving's over, so what do you think I found? Christmas music. Oh, yeah, 14 hours of Christmas music. And let me tell you something. If that doesn't get you in the holiday spirit, nothing will, right? Yeah, okay, Hallmark. You and Rodney should hang out. there. We got some Hallmark fans in here. There's definitely some Hallmark movie lovers in this room. Uh, just, you know, break out the Kleenex, pop some popcorn, and cry me a river, right? Uh, so, you know, the Christmas music was something that I was in anticipating to be on the radio. We found some, and, you know, as you, you make your way across state lines and go from county to county, you have to change the station because it starts to fade in and out. But we were finding the same theme on different stations, and we kind of had a, a long stretch of Christmas music there. And what's really funny to me was there were things that I was listening for, uh, some of the songs are very, you know, religious in nature and, and very biblical in nature, a lot of them. And then others are more popular culture, and then some have nothing to do with Christmas at all, right? I mean, some of them are just annoying. But the, the point was, was I was looking for common themes through the songs. And through that, there were a, a couple that really stood out. And as you look at your Christmas decorations, as you're decorating your homes, as you're out in public and you see decorations, you're going to see a few things that are uh, very common throughout the theme of Christmas. Now, I want to give you a couple of words that, that are going to be common, but before we do that, I want to tell you what we're going to find in the scripture today. So if you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. Uh, there's a few things we're going to find. One we're going to find is what the Christmas holiday produces. What it produces. Now, I'm not talking about from a commercial sense. I'm talking about from a very biblical sense. Uh, the, the, the Christmas holiday is something that I think is really an incredible thing to celebrate, and honestly, I believe it's not meant to be examined once a year. I think it's at the foundation of who we are as believers. We're going to find out what the Christmas holiday produces. A second thing we're going to find is what's needed for a healthy heart. What's needed for a healthy heart? And I'm not talking about eating whole grains or anything like that. I'm talking about your, your innermost being being uh, free from, from despair and from depression and darkness to, to live a very healthy uh, life, spiritually speaking. And there's something that's very important in the scripture. Uh, a third thing that we're going to find is what's needed to avoid disappointment. Now, this is a really big deal to me because I, I've experienced disappointment through my life uh, on different occasions, and I know that you have too. I mean, there's not a single person in the room that hasn't had a, a circumstance or a situation that didn't go the way that they anticipated or the way they wanted it to, and it results in something 
that is uh, potentially devastating or nasty. It's, it's destructive. And I want to live a life that avoids that feeling and those uh, sensations and those results. And I think that there's something in the scripture that if we can latch onto it and apply it to our lives, we can avoid disappointment. I think it's an important thing for us to be aware of and understand. Uh, so I mentioned before that we were going to find out a couple of things about the Christmas holiday. You know, there's a couple of words that stood out as themes throughout the music that we were listening to as we drove for 14 hours, you know. And, and that's actually in line with that first thing that I said we we're going to find, what the Christmas holiday produces. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Romans. I want to uh, start with the scripture uh, out of Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now, these were the two words that I kept uh, uh, hearing. Now, I wouldn't mind hearing some guesses. I mean, if you had to guess what a common thing was in Christmas music in a single word, what would you think one of those would be? Anybody want to shout one out here? Not on the spot. You can't give a wrong answer. Joy. Joy. Joy was one of them. Joy was most definitely one of them. I mean, you had joy to the world. You had all kinds of joy music that was being spoken. There was another word that stood out that was very, very common throughout the music. Any other guesses? Peace, there's that, that, you got it, you're batting a thousand there. Joy and peace, those were the two things that were repeated throughout the songs. Joy and peace, joy and peace, joy and peace throughout the music. Joy and peace, joy and peace. And I'm realizing that this is not just something that's by accident. These songs were assembled, inspired by uh, Christianity, inspired by the scripture. These songs that we sing seasonally to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah, all of these songs have as a common theme through them both joy and peace. Now, here in Romans 15, 13, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that involves both joy and peace. Let me just read that to you now. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may be able to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that this passage of Scripture involves both joy and peace. But when you see joy and peace being bestowed upon your life, the result isn't joy or peace. The result is something altogether different. The Scripture reads again, I want to read it one more time, Now may the God of hope, not the God of joy, not the God of peace, but the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, so that you may abound, not in joy, not in peace, but so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I read this passage of Scripture, it communicates something really valuable and important to me, that if I take joy and I take peace and I bring them into my life, the result will be hope. If I were making this some kind of a, a mathematical equation, which I know doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you could easily say joy plus peace equals hope. And in my life, I begin to realize the importance of those things being an active part of my uh, existence and, and my mental state and in my heart and the, the state of my family and with my sons and with this congregation and the church and everything that I've ever put my hand to. There is anticipation for something great to come from those things. I'm a very hopeful guy. In fact, there was an individual that I worked very close with, and he used to call me Pastor Hope all the time. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to be called. And at first, I thought maybe it's sarcastic and a little bit derogatory, but then I realized I don't think there's a better name you could give a guy. I want to be known as a hopeful individual that can be handed the darkest of circumstances and still believe, that can be put in the most difficult of situations and not Stop trusting that God will deliver. I want to be a man of hope. And as this season closes in on us and as we begin to celebrate, if we can rid ourselves of all of the distractions and all of the chaos and we can realize that this is a testimony that God has sent into our lives the fullest measure of both peace and joy so that a wonderful result might take place in our lives so that we can have hope. We can be those people that remain light even in the midst of darkness. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate. If I pull anything away from this message, it, it, I want that equation to be a part of my life. Joy plus peace equals hope. When I begin to encounter individuals that are in situations that are dark and, and all hope seems to be failing, I know that I need to introduce two things in order to produce that hope that's so necessary to survive that dark moment. I want to introduce joy and I want to introduce peace. 
It's contrary to our nature where oftentimes we want to separate from darkness. We don't want any part of it. We treat it like it's contagious. But God's called us to jump right into the middle of it, not to be consumed by it, but rather to overcome it. Because the scripture promises that the light entered into the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. We are meant to be an overwhelming force in this world, a force of light carrying both the joy and the peace that comes through Jesus to bring into every situation the hope that's necessary to survive and then thrive. To endure that dark moment and then grow and mature in strength and become so given to victory that we not only have it in our own lives, but we begin to lead others into it, those that are around us. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from the Psalms. and It's just to explain really the importance of hope. And and this is something that I hope translates because it it makes sense to me. And sometimes something can, you know, pierce your heart and begin to convict you and, and really encourage you and inspire you. And then you share it with others and it might not have the same effect. I'm hoping, wink, wink, that it has the effect on you that it does on me. Psalm 33, it's verses 18 through 22. It opens with this, and you're going to hear a wonderful promise here. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. And then it begins to explain what that means, right? What does it mean to fear the Lord? And it goes ahead and gives that explanation. On those who hope for his loving kindness. And then it begins to explain what that means. On those who hope that there is deliverance for their soul from death to keep them alive in the midst of famine. I want to stop right there. That's a really powerful statement. Now, I come from like an agricultural background. I grew up a city kid, right? But I loved farming. I had family roots that were in agriculture. So right out of high school, that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did. So the agricultural references in the Scripture really hit home to me, and I I hope that I can, can transfer that to you. Think about the idea of famine. I mean, the idea of famine means that you don't have what's necessary in order to produce what you need. I mean, I want to be productive. I want to grow crops. I want to have a harvest. I want to be prosperous. But yet, I don't have what's necessary, which would be the rainfall that's necessary. I don't have the circumstances or the situation that's needed in order to be productive or prosperous. And this passage of Scripture is talking to us about trusting in God or hoping in God to deliver us from those times. Now, when you begin to think of it like that, you can begin to apply it in your life in in all kinds of different ways. God, are there things that I know I need, but I just don't see how it's going to happen because of the situation I'm in or because of the circumstances I'm dealing with? I think for all of us, the answer at some point in time, we've dealt with something that has put us in that position. And for us, we have this promise, we have this hope, so to speak, that God would deliver us. That's what it means to fear the Lord, to never lose sight that he's able to bring victory, even in the darkest of circumstances. And the passage of scripture goes on to read like this, our soul waits for him, that can be hard to do sometimes, by nature we're very impatient, he's our help and our shield. And it goes on to make this declaration, our heart rejoices in him. Because we trust in him. God, let your loving kindness be upon me according to how I have hoped in you. Uh, It's a little bit of a mouthful when you read that passage of scripture, but you begin to see everything being explained and everything being revealed through one statement to the next, to the next, to the next. God is watching me to see those who are in uh, fear of his name, what does that mean? It means those who hope in him, what does that mean? That you trust that he's going to deliver you when times are tough, what does that mean? That means you're going to have to wait and hope for him to do what he says he'll do. Easier said than done most of the time. But the idea that hope is meant to be a part of our lives and that God's given us everything we need to hope through joy and through peace should really reveal to us the importance of the season that we celebrate. When you consider the things that Jesus brings into our life, there's a reason why when we come to this season that celebrates the birth of our king, we sing songs about joy and we sing songs about peace. It's not just that God is bringing joy into our life or bringing peace into our life. It's that he's bringing both joy and peace into our life so that we can have the resulting hope. 
so that there can be a conviction to trust him that no matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter how dark the circumstances are, no matter how deep the situation is, there is an open door for victory, and that open door is Jesus. I want to give you a couple more passages of Scripture as we move through here. It's the reason why hope is so important, and it's also something that we said we're going to find what's needed for a healthy heart. Obviously, not just speaking physically, but talking about your innermost being. The passage of Scripture comes from the Proverbs. Proverbs 13, it's verse 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Here's how it reads, just straight from the the Scripture. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But fulfilled is a tree of life. It's a pretty interesting thing to consider that that if hope is removed from our lives, the result is this sickness of heart. And again, we're talking about your innermost being. We're talking about a part of who you are. It's not just a feeling that you might have, but rather this is you. I mean, pain can come and go. If I were to be, uh, you know, hammering a nail and I miss and I hit my thumb, that hurts, that causes pain. But it doesn't devastate who I am. But if I live a life that can't find hope, all of the sudden I become compromised in my existence, in my being. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The heart is who you are. Hope is important and necessary. No wonder God has gone out of his way to release into our lives the two things that bring hope into existence, joy and peace. Everything that Jesus brings, he spoke and said himself, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. He spoke and said himself, my joy I give to you, that your joy may be made full. Joy and peace are everything that Jesus is bringing into our lives so that we might result in a very hopeful existence and so that our hearts might be satisfied, that we might come to know the life, the abundant life that comes through Jesus that God has blessed us with. It's the wonder of hope. Now, I want to give you a passage of scripture here because I think it's important to understand. I think we can all relate to the fact that when there's not hope, it's devastating. I've been in situations before that seemed hopeless, and it was really destructive. It affected everything in my life. I mean, Things that you wouldn't think that, that a situation or a circumstance could easily touch began to be touchable. I mean, I didn't sleep well. I didn't eat well. Uh, my thoughts were altered and compromised. My words began to change. And where there was normally patience and kindness, all of a sudden there wasn't patience or kindness. There was aggression and cursing and things that were ungodly. It began to change everything that was who I am in Jesus. This is a challenge. This is a problem. There's a reason why it's easy to see that because we've experienced that. Now the question is, what is it when hope comes that brings that tree of life? Why is it when I have hope things are good? Is it just the awareness that deliverance is inevitable, that freedom will come? There's something further, something deeper than just that. It's not just about survival, but rather it's about satisfying something that on the inside of each of us we have as a need and a desire in our life. Every one of us has a drive and a desire to be pleasing to God. We want to be successful. We want to do things that are right. I remember as a young man growing up, all I ever wanted was the affirmation and the affection of my father. Now, that was a physical manifestation here on the earth, you know. Now, there is a spiritual element to that that is true as well. I want to please my heavenly father. I want his affirmation. I want him to look on my life and be uh, satisfied with the things that I do. I want him to, to see that I'm doing the things that bring him honor and doing the things that bring him glory. Consider this, the most powerful, effective life ever to walk the earth, the life of our King Jesus. That ministry began with the affirming words of a father. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That should tell you the power of a father's affirmation. There is a need and a drive in each of us to know that affirmation. And when that affirmation is denied, it opens the door to destruction. So here's where I'm going with this as it concerns hope. Consider this passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Remember, we all have a drive to be pleasing to God. We all want the affirmation of our father. 
Let me give you this passage of scripture from Hebrews. Hebrews 11, uh, 6. It's going to say what's necessary in order to please God. It reads like this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's your heavenly father. The one that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, that's a pretty powerful passage of Scripture by itself, but it really doesn't seem to have anything to do with hope until we begin to dig a little bit deeper. We dig a little bit deeper and we begin to see this from Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It begins to describe what faith is. Remember, faith is necessary to please God. To be pleasing to your heavenly Father, it's going to require faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1 begins to speak about what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of those things not seen I mean it might seem a little academic and I don't want it to become uh, so academic that we, we lose sight of the revelation that can be found in it but consider this I need to have hope as an active part of my life it's the reason why God has poured joy and peace into my life through Jesus so that I can remain a man filled with hope and that hope equips me then to begin to be a faith filled man to begin to do the things that that hope inspires and it's those things that are done that begin to please God once you begin to see the chain of how things work, you can begin to see to it that that chain is not interrupted. It's no wonder that the devil and every one of my enemies want to rob me of peace and rob me of joy. Because if you can rob me of peace and you can rob me of joy, you can touch my hope. And if you can touch my hope, you will touch my faith. And so much of, of my church life, I've been simply taught the end of that. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. And I've sat in situations with no joy and no peace, therefore having no hope, trying to have faith. Good luck with that. And it's really sad to me that we get faith preached to us the most at our lowest points. When we're in our darkest hour, when we're suffering the most loss, we're told you got to have faith, you got to have faith, you got to have faith. And if you try to have faith when you don't have hope because you don't have joy and you don't have peace, you're in trouble. And what it will lead to is resentment, doubt. You begin to doubt that the scripture is true or that God exists. You begin to think that it's all a ruse and the reality is it is true. But when we present things out of order, we don't get the result that the Scripture promises. And when we don't get the result the Scripture promises, it opens the door for us to become double-minded. I love the Christmas season. I love to hear about joy and I love to hear about peace because the Scripture tells me what joy and peace produces. It produces hope. And when hope becomes an active part of my life, the door is open for me to begin to act on that hope, which is faith. And to act on that hope and to live a life of faith is to be pleasing to God. And it begins to fill that hole in my heart that so longs for the affirmation of a father. To look upon my life and say, that is my son. I claim him. He has an identity. He's mine. And I'm so well pleased with him. I'm proud of him. To have that need met is to have every need met. I want to continue to read the scripture here to you as it concerns hope. I want to give you a passage of scripture out of Romans, Romans chapter 8. I want to read verses 24 through 25. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 24. It says, For in hope we've been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what they've already seen? But we hope for what we don't see. With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. It's an interesting passage of scripture because it bears witness with what we read earlier concerning faith and, and hope. Remember, by definition, we were reading about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then we read about hope, that hope is, is producing this saving result. I mean, it's by hope that we've been saved, but we see to it that it's not something that's visible. When you consider the things that we hope for and you consider the things that we celebrate and the things that we anticipate, those are things that are not necessarily tangible or right in front of our eyes. 
That's where the challenge comes in. That's why we need one another to continue to encourage one another. It's not necessarily an easy thing, though you could take these passages of Scripture and weave together a sermon that makes perfect sense academically. It's very simple to understand, but not necessarily easy to apply. Because we run into circumstances and we run into situations where we can see the challenge. I can see the deficit. I can see the conflict. I can see everything that is testifying that this is going to fail. But I can't see the solution. That's where hope is a challenge. That's where our ability to encourage one another with words that are uplifting and encouraging and words that are equipping and edifying, as the scripture would say, which just means to build up. That's where that comes in so handy. It is a a powerful and effective tool, so powerful and so effective that God has gifted us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do it. Consider the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And as the Apostle Paul would write to us in instruction in how to use them, he would say these are to edify one another, to build each other up. The reason why we have words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophetic words and the idea of of all of the gifting of the Holy Spirit is so that we can build each other up. Why do we need to be built up? Because we might not be able to see the solution right now. But that doesn't mean that that solution doesn't exist. So I want to read to you a couple of passages of Scripture here. Now, these kind of fall in the duh category. You ever heard something and been like, duh, right? So forgive me for for going into the realm of duh, but we're going to step in there for just a moment, okay? How to know if you need hope. Now, I like looking at this because I think it's important to see that this is in the Scripture. There have been times where I felt hopeless and therefore I felt worthless, I felt like maybe I wasn't a Christian because surely Christians don't feel this way. I should be smiles and rainbows right now, but I'm not. What's wrong with me? And then you begin to see in the scripture that these are things that people deal with, that Christians deal with, and it begins to introduce a freedom from that belial or that worthlessness so that we can step out from that shame and realize, hey, this is normal, we just need to deal with it, and we need to deal with it in a godly biblical way. Here's a couple of passages of scripture, how to tell if you need hope, okay? You can find this in a few places. I'm going to give you like three different addresses for the scripture, but you'll be able to find it in a number of other places as well. You can find it in Psalm 42.5. You can find it in Psalm 43.5. You can find it in Psalm 42.11. All in this little cluster of Psalms, you begin to find this, but you can find it throughout the scripture. And here's how it reads. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, and you will again praise him for the help of his presence. Meaning he'll show up and help you. He'll do what he said he'll do. Think about these questions. I mean, we read through these psalms, and they're so poetic, and and they're so uh, religious in their structure that we can just get lost in the poetry and the beauty of the writing. But consider the situation here. This is somebody that's having a really rough go. Things aren't going right. Who knows what they're experiencing? Maybe somebody uh, passed away or or maybe a a situation failed. There's some form of loss here. There's some form of disappointment here. There's some form of destruction here that has this person in a position where they're not right mentally. They're not right in their heart. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Those are really interesting words. By definition, here's what despair means. Okay, If you just go to the dictionary and look up despair, and I promise you I didn't juice this at all. This isn't sandbagged. This is literally what it looks like. If you go to Google, you type in despair definition, this was the first thing to pop up on my device. The complete loss or absence of hope. What an interesting thing to consider in the scripture. I mean, here's a situation where something's not going right, and the question is being asked, why have you lost hope? And then it goes on to describe the situation. Why have you become disturbed within me? Why have you become disturbed within me? Now, by definition, that means to throw into disorder. 
there are times in my life where I feel like things are out of order. Maybe they're out of control or maybe they're just chaotic or, or something's not as it should be. Based on this passage of scripture, those are indications that, that hope has been touched. That hope has been compromised in some way, shape, or form. Now the beauty of this passage of scripture is it doesn't stop there. It doesn't simply say like you're in bad shape, hope that works out. But rather it leads us and guides us into the solution. It, it, it tells us how to adjust. Adjust. Hope in God. Return to that hope that is in your heavenly father. And the result will be again, once again, you'll be singing praises for his deliverance because he will perform. That's a really wonderful thing to consider. I'll give you another psalm here before we move forward. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. I love the Psalms, but sometimes I have to read them backwards as well as forwards in order to gain the understanding that is, is being imparted into our lives. The idea of being strong and letting my heart take courage is the result of putting my hope in the Lord. I mean, when I take that Psalm and I begin to look at it from the back to the front, it sounds like this. All of you who hope in the Lord will be strong and let your heart take courage. These are the things that are meant to inspire us, not just uh, inspirationally speaking, but to inspire us to make the changes necessary to get the result that we desire. I don't want to simply read that and feel a warm and fuzzy feeling. I want to take that as an instruction, apply it to my life, begin to do it on purpose, and get the result. I want to face the circumstances and the situations that are dark or dire or difficult, those things that are challenging in my life, and I want to enter into those things with the intentional thought process of how am I going to put my hope in the Lord in this situation? What does it mean for Preston Humphreys to hope in his heavenly Father as it concerns this? And as that question begins to be answered, all of a sudden the door is open for a heart to be strengthened for a heart to be encouraged. And that strength and that courage will not be overcome. There's absolute victory in all that we have to hope in because our hope is not in situation or circumstance. Much of our life is subject to the, the outside influences of the world. I have business transactions that I could perform admirably in, but somebody could decide to make a change, and next thing you know, I'm out of business. That's terrifying. There are so many things that we, we have as a part of our life that we stand upon that are slippery slopes and, and unfirm foundations that for no reason of our own doing could just be removed from us. It's horrifying. But when you consider what God's called us to, through joy and through peace being imparted into our life in Jesus so that hope could be the result and a life of faith could come from that, we have a foundation that can never be moved. Here's a passage of scripture that I want to stand on as it concerns that. It comes from the Psalms, Psalm 39, verse 7. And now, O Lord, for what do I hope? My hope is in you. You. My hope is not in Wall Street. My hope is not in the White House. My hope is not in Congress. My hope is not in the U.S. military. My hope is not in anything uh, circumstantial or anything situational. My hope, that which I will stand upon, that which will produce the faith that is pleasing to you, is only going to be in you. Now, there's a reason for this design, and it's a wonderful design. As you begin to see the Scripture, you begin to see God identifying himself throughout the Scripture, revealing who he is to us. This isn't out of some form of, of insecurity or neediness or wanting to be noticed, but rather these are, are elements being revealed to us that we might place our hope in them. You see around the room the banners that have his name upon them, and these are just a few of them. These aren't just simply things that are, are meant to inspire us to know who God is, but rather these are the things that are meant to inspire us to know what we can put our trust in for God to bring into our lives. 
These are just a few names from the scripture, okay? I want to just give you a few. One would be like Yahweh, and it's spelled uh, uh, Y-H-W-H. There's really no W in Hebrew, so it's more of a, a V sound. And some people, especially in Texas, would say Yahweh, right? And it's the same that produces like Jehovah, like you see on that banner. It's just a matter of how you choose to translate it. I can tell you personally, the translation that I would adhere to would be the YHWH or Yahweh. And it means, by definition, the self-existent who reveals himself. That's where we get things like who was and is and is to come. I mean, that's Yahweh. That's God. That's the, he has no maker. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I love that that definition, that name that has been revealed to us, defines him as the one who reveals himself. And throughout the scripture, he's revealing himself. Again, not because he's needy for attention, but because he's showing us what we can place our hope in. Here's another one of these names. I'm just going to read through a few of them. One from the scripture, it's Sidkenu. That's righteousness. Well, man, I've got a desperate need for righteousness because I do some janky stuff. Praise God that I can put my hope in Yahweh Tzidkenu, the Lord God, my righteousness, all through Jesus who shed his blood on my behalf to make atonement for all of my corruption so that I can stand in holiness before my holy God, my heavenly Father. Mekadesh, that means the one who sanctifies. I mean, that means to be set apart. You have a call to be unique in this world, to, to be different than the rest of the corruption that exists. You stand out in the darkness as light. And you can trust in that. Rapha, the healer, I mean, we've got a banner over here that says that, you know, and that's something that God has revealed to us so that we can place our hope in him. My hope is in you for healing. Shema, that God hears me, that he's present, that he's near. We've got that one hanging over there. Also that we're never in a place, of, and by the way, this one's really important to me. Some of these, you know, they hit home in different ways at different times, depending on what we deal with, depending on what we've experienced in our lives. Everybody has been sick at one time or another and knows the value of healing, you know, and some have been sick at, at, at different levels than others, and they've, they've called out for healing. Uh, uh, even this one here, Yahweh Jireh, you know, the Lord will provide. We've all been in need of provision at some point in our lives, and so we can cry out for that. This one that we just looked at, Yahweh Shema, the Lord is near, the Lord is present, the Lord hears you. I could sit and weep if I were to ponder how desperate I've been for that. I can think of no more destructive force on the earth than loneliness. To feel abandoned and to feel alone. Consider the cross, all of the beating, all the torture, all the torment, and Jesus only cried out when he said, Father, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Consider God's words upon making man, that he made man, and he says, it's not good for you to be alone. Think about all the other things he could have said. He could have, he could have just said, like, hey, obey me or else you're going to sin, right? He could have said all kinds of stuff. He could have said, hey, listen to your wife. She knows what she's talking about. He could have said all kinds of things that would have been true. But he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And when I consider that he's revealed himself as Shema, I'm near, buddy. I'm close. I'm right here. You're not alone. Whew. I'm telling you, I could burst into tears just thinking about that. Another one's Nisi. It means the, our banner, but a better translation is victory, like our identity. Can you imagine a life with no identity? Think about this. And I'm not, the, the book is a, is, a, is a wonderful book, and the work is a great work. But a Christian man wrote a book on having purpose, and it became a bestseller. You know what that means? A lot of people don't think they have a purpose. A lot of people were hungry for that book, man, because they didn't feel like they had an identity. They just felt like a face in the crowd. Why am I here? Who am I? But God has revealed to us, I am your identity. You were called by my name. I'm your victory. I'm your banner. Hope in me. Yahweh Shalom. God is our rest, our peace. Oh, man, you can put a lot of hope in that one in the midst of chaos and trial and difficulty and all kinds of hardship. God... I'm calling on you. I'm hoping in you. Yahweh Shalom. And then here's, a, here's another one that's revealed. We already talked about it. Jireh. The Lord will provide. 
Uh, you'll hear that quoted oftentimes, you know, in sermons, and especially concerning things that are material. And, and I think that's an okay application. I won't throw rocks at that. Because material things are necessary in this world. I mean, if you were to use that as it concerned things that are material, especially like money, I think it does have an application. But you've got to see the origins of that name being revealed. That name was revealed when a sacrifice was needed. That name was revealed when Abraham was going to offer up his son Isaac and the angel of the Lord said, Stop! And they looked to the side and there was a ram caught in the thicket to be sacrificed. God was revealing, I will provide the sacrifice to make atonement. He's revealing Jesus is what he's doing. It's a wonderful thing to consider that God will provide. And when I consider my life and the need that I have for atonement, the need that I have for forgiveness, my hope is in Yahweh Jireh. He did provide, and his provision is Jesus. Here's one, Rohi, our shepherd. Think about what that means. That means direction, protection. Provision, man, that's a good one to hope in. That you will lead me to the place to drink and satisfy my thirst. That you will lead me to the place to eat and satisfy my hunger. That you will guard me and protect me from all of that which wishes to devour me and steal me away. My hope is in you. You are my shepherd. And then I want to give you this one because we've got to move on for time's sake. And I think it's really interesting as we consider, you know, where we're at in this season, in the birth of Jesus. One of the most incredible things is to consider, you know, the angels visiting uh, uh, Mary and, and the angel Gabriel speaking to her and telling her all of the things to come and, and the, that God is with her and that the Holy Ghost has, has produced this child within her and he will be called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, yeah. But the idea that his name would be Jesus. Now, that's not the, the name in the Aramaic or the Hebrew. That would be Yeshua, like Joshua, right? Yeshua. And it, 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 by definition, means the salvation of God. The salvation of God. That means victory over difficulty, hardship, trial, temptation, anything like that that would be corrupt or, or be challenging or destructive to your life. There's deliverance for that. And it's all found in that one name, Yeshua. No wonder... The scripture declares, and we declare along with it, it's the name above all names. This isn't an academic thing. It's not about memorizing these names so that we can say our prayers correctly. We're not witches and warlocks casting spells and giving incantations. God is revealing to us who he is so that we can lean on him in a relationship as a child to a heavenly father that loves them. And in the end, he's given to us the one name above all others, Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach. Joshua the Messiah. We call him Jesus. The salvation of our God. No matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, no matter what circumstances or situations, no matter how dark or how dire, we have hope in the salvation of our God because God has given us Jesus. That's why we can say our hope is in him. I want to give you a passage of scripture here to close. We're running out of time. i got to move really quickly here. This is where we're going to end. How do you get this hope in your life? How do you make it an active part of your life? Well, that comes through uh, your life experience. It comes through the things that you, you uh, deal with and the things that you do. And it's meant to be something that grows and increases, not just so that you can have it, but so that it can be shared through your life. I'll give you a, a passage of scripture here. We're going to close with this from Romans. Romans chapter 5. I want to read verses 1 through 5, which is a bit much, but we'll get to the point quickly. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained introduction by faith into grace in which we stand, and we celebrate in hope the glory of God. And then it goes on to say this. Not only this, but we celebrate when things go wrong. I mean, my brain hits a brick wall right there. The word that's used in your scripture is tribulation, right? It means problems or challenges. Uh, it means difficulty or hardship. Most of the time, when I face problems or challenges or difficulty or hardship, there's not much celebration. But that's because of the absence of joy and peace in those circumstances. 
If I can carry joy and I can carry peace into the midst of those problems and those challenges and those things going wrong, I'll get an altogether different result. I'll get the result that God has called me to get, not only for myself, but for those around me. When things go wrong, the scripture goes on to say this, we can celebrate knowing that when things go wrong, it brings about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character. And then proven character brings about hope. And it goes on to end with hope and makes this promise, this declaration. And hope does not disappoint. That third point that we were going to receive this morning when we opened up the message was what's needed to avoid disappointment. What's necessary to avoid disappointment in your life is going to be hope. It's hope that does not disappoint. When we celebrate this Christmas season, everything that God has brought into our lives through Jesus, the songs and the celebration and the decor are all centered around two things, joy and peace. Both wonderful things in and of themselves. Both desirable things as they stand alone. Both wonderful things to embrace and celebrate and to pursue. But to take those two things and to combine them. To say joy plus peace equals hope. And to let that hope stir in our hearts. To set us free from a life of disappointment. When things go wrong, it'll work out. God is for me and I will hope in him. When situations turn dark, I'm not going to be afraid. I will put my hope in him who has promised to deliver me. That is what I desire for myself. That's what I desire for every single believer. To actually receive the benefits of the gospel. Not just a celebration of forgiveness or to escape damnation, but to live a powerful, victorious, successful life founded upon the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ combined to bring about the hope, opening up the door to live a faith-filled life that's pleasing to God. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us, and I'm going to pray. It's not going to take long at all because I'm trusting that the Spirit of God will move in our hearts and have an effect on our minds to bring about a result. It's always my goal when we come together, not just to grow in our Bible IQ, but to see something powerful happen, to, to become more mature, to become uh, more effective as believers. And the promise of God is to continue to work in each of us. No matter how much we know or no matter how long we've been believers, we're constantly growing. We're constantly maturing. And we're constantly being led into a more effective and more fruitful life. Not that it makes us more pleasing to God. His love for you is absolute and unconditional. But it brings about a satisfaction in our own lives to see our lives become effective and to see the words that we speak be a, a blessing to those around us and the actions that we produce become powerful and, and healing and delivering to those around us is such an affirming and wonderful thing. To walk in that calling and that purpose that God has bestowed upon you. Not only to simply call upon his name and be saved, but to call upon his name and be transformed into his likeness. To see to it that the work that he's called you to comes to pass. All for the expansion of the kingdom of God and the glorification of the name of our King Jesus. As for this morning, I want to pray and I want to ask God to let this holiday season fill us up according to his word with joy and peace so that we can have hope. And to see that hope lead us into a faith-filled life that brings him honor and glory. So that when we face dark circumstances, when we face situations that seem hopeless, we're not left without hope. But rather we see and understand and know that God has gone out of his way to intentionally bring into our lives everything needed to keep us in that powerful position of hope, joy, and peace. There where you stand, I want to pray. I want to ask God to do these things. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of us to do something great. No more effective minister in the room than the Spirit of God. 
Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the season that we celebrate. But I ask now in Jesus' name, let our hunger for joy and peace transcend this season. That it wouldn't be an annual celebration of this work, but that we would see in every moment of our lives that you have called us to live in the full measure of peace and joy in Jesus. Let this season simply be a time of celebration and reminder where we can be encouraged and uplifted and we can encourage and uplift those around us. But let this thing be real in each of us, an awareness and an understanding, a desire to see the joy and the peace that we find in Jesus Christ be combined and magnified into the wonderful result of hope. And let that hope stir in our hearts and in our minds that we could stand in the face of every situation and every circumstance that would seem dire, that would seem difficult, that would seem destructive in every way imaginable, that we could stand firm, never losing heart, but always trusting and believing that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do, and that your deliverance will come, not only for your namesake and glory, but for our welfare and well-being, all because you love us. And let the result be a life of faith that we could stand firm when things are difficult, that we would not cave or fold. Let us give our lives to one another in celebration and encouragement that we wouldn't watch another fall, but that we could stand side by side, united by your spirit, brought together by the blood of Jesus to encourage one another through difficulty, never letting another lose hope. Let us become a congregation of hope, a people of hope, speaking words of hope, performing actions of hope. Fill us up in this season with joy and with peace. And let the result not only be hope for our own lives, but let it be released into this community, bringing you honor and glory, seeing your kingdom expanded, seeing every work of the devil destroyed. We bless your name and we thank you for this wonderful and powerful gift. Let it not only be embraced and celebrated, but let it be released for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name and all the saints declare Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.